have information for me. Is that what your little note says? Yeah. Must be tough living your life according to a couple of scraps of paper. You mix your laundry list with your grocery list and you'll end up eating your underwear for breakfast. I guess that's why you have those freaky tattoos. Yeah, it's tough. It's almost impossible. Look, I'm sorry I don't remember you. It's nothing personal. I do have information for you. What is up, everyone? This is Zach, back with another episode of The Rotten Pea. I'm here with a couple of my friends. I, you know, I just realized I don't think I ever say best friends. That's because you don't love oh, us. Sorry. Sorry. You don't love consider you. us your best friends. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, I'm here with um, like <laughs> a few of my friends. Uh, well, you have a here you have a best friend and a few acquaintances. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Scott, uh-huh. you're my best friend. Yep, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Wait, I thought mm-hmm. that he was and then Zach. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Zach. Okay. This is about to get as confusing as Memento. Okay. <laughs> so I was just going to say. We can't start arguing yeah. again yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, anyways, what's up? I'm, I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. I'm, I'm, I'm Scott. Scott. I'm Jake, <laughs> and I'm regretting what I chose to do with my we, day today. Uh, we should just re- and restart I'm Sean. this entire... <laughs> and I'm Tyler Durden. <laughs> I, that was the wrong confusing movie. <laughs> Anyways. Well, yeah, so we've got, uh, we've got Memento lined up today, uh, as I'm sure you could tell. Uh, and uh, Zach, uh, Zach nominated this movie, and so uh, I'm, I'm excited to get into it. I'm excited to get into it, too. I'm a little nervous. Because I'm, I'm, right now, I understand the movie. In my head, I understand it. But I'm afraid that when we get into it more, I'm, I'm going to realize I don't understand it. <laughs> I'm making no, no uh, pretense of understanding. I, I just don't. Do, I don't. You don't get it at all. Well, you're not alone. Uh, in fact, as I was doing some research, it turned out that plenty of people who worked on the movie didn't even understand it either. <laughs> I guess Christopher Nolan reached out to this one guy to direct it, and he turned it down because he couldn't understand the script. So they got Wally Fister, who has worked with Chris on multiple other movies afterwards. And then Wally later told that first guy that he was like, yeah, I didn't understand it either, but I just shot it. <laughs> Did they film it in reverse order like that too, or did they just film it all and then cut it together in reverse order? Well, I mean, no, almost no film is cut done directly. Is, is yeah. uh, shot in chronological order. Mm-hmm. Um, you sort of film based on locations, so mm-hmm. you're like, all right, we have this diner for you know a day, and so we're gonna get all of the shots that need to happen in this diner right now. Uh, or the hotel room, the yada, yada, yada. Got it. They did write this movie in chronological order, though. Oh, interesting. So they wrote it in chronological order and then rewrote it chopped up? Mm-hmm. But um, you know what else is interesting, too? If you buy, like, uh, some special edition of this movie or something like that, um, they have an option where you can watch it in chrono- chronological order as well. Yes, yes please. You should do that. <laughs> <laughs> can you buy me that? Well... Before we get too deep into this, a little bit of just the facts. This was uh, directed and written by Christopher Nolan, uh, although I'll give like a parenthetical to his brother, Jonathan Nolan, who actually wrote the story with Chris, um, but Chris wrote uh, wrote the screenplay. Uh, 
it was, and I'll just say, I mean, we can talk about it for a second if anyone has any input, but I love Jonathan Nolan. Uh, he's he's an outstanding writer. Yeah, I like Jonathan Nolan a lot too. He He's worked with Chris on multiple things, hasn't he? Yeah, he's. I think he's worked with Chris on more things than he hasn't worked with Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Jonathan Nolan uh, very recently uh, is who uh, made Westworld on HBO. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that's Jonathan Nolan's brain. I loved the first season. Second. Have you not liked it since uh, then? I thought the second season was really bad, and I haven't watched the third season yet. Really? Um, I would have liked it if they just stopped I, making it after the first season, actually. So I got to tell you, the third season is fantastic. I went back. I, I never watched the second season, I think largely because I just couldn't get into it, and then you told me you didn't like it, uh, and so I never tried. And the third season was coming out earlier or a few months ago, and I was like, oh, I need to go back and watch this. And I loved it. I thought it was so good. Really? Yeah. I feel like I feel like you disagree with a lot of people. I don't know. I feel like I heard a lot of people not liking that that season. But that's not what we're talking about here. So I don't need to dig into yeah. it. So, uh, but yeah, uh, Jonathan Nolan has written, uh, you know, he wrote the story for Memento. He wrote The Prestige with Chris, uh, which was, you know, uh, yeah. He wrote The Prestige, Dark Knight, uh Ganiji, Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, all with Chris. And then mm-hmm. he's only done a couple of things on television uh, that were not with his brother. Wait, mm-hmm. Batman Begins wasn't on that list or was it? Did I dismiss it? He did not write Batman Begins. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think Chris brought him in for uh, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises mm-hmm. uh, after Chris did uh, Batman Begins, uh, which explains why in Those some... Those two are better. Yeah, I mean, ex- <laughs> and, and there's just a different feel between <laughs> those and Batman Begins. You know, like it just feels very different. Uh, this was released uh, September fifth, two thousand. Uh, it did uh, thirty nine point seven million in the box office on a nine million dollar budget. Uh, the other guys gave this a ninety three percent, and IMDb has this at an eight point four. Uh, it was nominated for best original screenplay and best film editing, but got zero awards at the academies that year. I'm Sad just day. impressed that it got nominated at all. This seems like such a low budget, like kind of under the radar movie that that's kind of cool. It got nominated to begin with. Yeah. Uh, we were going to talk about this a little bit, um, or I was going to bring this up in a little while, but I guess we can just talk about it now. Uh, this was Chris Nolan's sophomore feature film. Uh, his first feature was following uh, which I think Zach is probably the only person who's seen. I n- actually never have. Oh, man. Okay. So yeah. you and I are at the same. I think we're all at the same now spot in Chris Nolan's filmography. I think all of us have seen every other one every of his other movies. Every other movie, yeah. Except for Fall. I didn't see Dunkirk uh, yet. His... Oh, man. I want well, to. Dunkirk was great. It's good. Um, following was like a weird noir film. Uh, is like all in black and white, very like all over the place, very like uh, experimental type film. Uh, and so Memento was his first real like box office, you know, film, yeah. like his first real big. It's a good thing he went with something uh, straightforward. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it worked out for him. You know, it did very well in the box office. Yeah, obviously some 
people liked it and offered him new gigs. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, it did well with the critics. It did well. Yeah. So, uh, but straightforward is not really Chris Nolan's thing. Well, and that's what I was going to say is I loved that in this film, we got to see so many things that were like foundation work for his later movies, Mm -hmm. like all the flashbacks to his wife, uh, just how they were done reminded me so much of uh, Inception mm-hmm. and the flashbacks that that uh, Leo has in Inception. Just where, like, you know, a lot of over-the-shoulder, quick cut, uh, a lot of the same, uh, like, film grade. Like, it was just very similar uh, to a lot of his later films. And so it was kind of cool for me to see him, like, working out his craft a little bit already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, should I go ahead and dive into why I nominated this movie? Yeah, I'll so you nominated ahead. this movie. Let us know. Uh, let us know why you nominated it and what some of your thoughts are about it. Um, I so I picked this movie one because I I do really love Christopher Nolan. Um, Christopher Nolan and David Fincher, I consider like my gateway directors. Where like it was really their movies that kind of uh, took me from like just casually enjoying movies into like, I'm going to start following specific directors filmographies and try to like familiarize myself with their movies. And um, like I said, Chris and and then David Fincher were the two guys who kind of did that for me and kind of got me more into film. Um, And this isn't my favorite Chris Nolan movie. Uh, I feel like there's other movies that he's made that like probably have, or probably earned that title of like, you definitely should have seen this movie before this but so much so that we've all already seen them. And so I had to nominate something that you guys haven't seen. And I do love this movie. I think this is a super smart movie. It's so creative. Um, I feel like uh, it's cool to go back and kind of see where this director who has become so important to um, like Hollywood now kind of started out. And especially if you're a Chris Nolan fan, like you definitely need to see this movie. This was kind of the movie that like cemented in my head, like, okay, like this guy is really like really the real deal. And I really started to pay uh, a lot of, or I pay close attention to him. Um, And Tyler reminded me that we watched this movie together way back in the day. I'd kind of forgotten. Yeah. uh, You, uh, I was over at your house with another friend, Tyler, also named Tyler. And, uh, we, you picked this movie and I had never seen it before. I had loved though, Christopher Nolan, obviously dark Knight had already come out at this point. Dark Knight rises had come out. Um, I, I don't think interstellar was out yet. Um, but I loved Christopher Nolan. I thought he was really, really good. And I, I already at this point had a deep love for film and you suggested it and you said, oh, it was Christopher Nolan's, you know, like first movie or something like that. And I was like, oh, OK. And we watched it and I was like, man, I think you and I are going to be friends. Uh, <laughs> like if you like this movie for for the reasons you like it, we're going to get along great. Uh, I, I love Memento. Um, I, I wouldn't put it on any list, but I love it. I think it's really good. And it was fun watching it again. So our two late bloomers, Scott and Jake. Mm-hmm. Scott, what do you think? Uh, I actually kind of liked it. Um, I thought it was fun. I liked the style. Um, yeah, I I've been there's a, there's a couple movies coming up where uh, 
I've had these other guys ask me what I was going to rank it, and I will even sometimes egg, egg them into the yeah. wrong direction. All right, all right. And so just to, to make them nervous about things. <laughs> okay. so, no, all I, right. I actually really uh, thought this movie was fun and enjoyable. I am I'm shocked right now. It's really yeah. interesting Pleasantly that you described surprised. it as fun. Yeah. Like, I, I thought it was a good movie, but I wasn't like, that was a real fun time. No, like, it's fun because like, you're trying to figure out you're trying to figure out the mystery with the character. Yeah. And it's rare that you get to do that. Like most of the time you have these, these people know things that you don't and they don't tell you on screen, but this, you know that he doesn't know these things. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like fun is not that far of a cry of an adjective to use. Like I think as, as like serious and dark and, and gritty as the subject material is like Leonard kind of plays it a little, Playfully, I feel like at times. Yeah, that's what I would. That was the first thing I noticed was like, he seems to have a sense of humor about this. And I think I had, yeah, I'd been turned off from watching the movie. Like, I'd seen the thumbnail, and the thumbnail just looked grimy to me. Like, I was going to come out of it feeling grimy and like I needed to go take a shower. <laughs> but it really wasn't that. Like, mm-hmm. when I, yeah. So, like, that was, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, go. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I agree with you. The thumbnail feels a lot like, uh, it's always felt a lot to me like seven, the movie yeah. seven. Yeah. Uh, like, like it was going to have that tone and it, it kind of does, but not really. I mean, it's, it's definitely uh, has some, some real levity to it at, at certain points. Um, but Jake, I cut you off from, from, from Oh that. yeah. Sorry. Uh, sorry. That was, I mean, I wasn't going to draw the comparison to seven, but yeah, that was more or less what I was going to say is it was a lot lighter at times than I thought it was going to be. And like, I don't know. I, I did. I liked it. Um, I think it's the Matrix Union we've all been waiting for, you know, uh, <laughs> where Trinity and Cypher get to take advantage of the mentally disabled. When we uh, go to recasting, I would recast Leonard as Keanu. Yeah, with Keanu. <laughs> <laughs> Just so we can have the three of them together yeah. again. I don't know that yeah. I'm entirely yeah. a late bloomer on this movie, though, because as soon as uh, I mentioned we were watching this movie, my girlfriend had me watch the uh, Bollywood version of this movie. Uh, and you know, how was that? Uh, I, I didn't love it, but you know, (laughs) a lot of, a lot of reading subtitles, a lot of songs. Um, (laughs) I forgot that that's a hallmark of Bollywood is that they turn everything into a musical. Uh, I, what I would love to see this story as a musical. Yeah. Go watch, uh, I believe is the name. <laughs> it's That's fu- super funny. It's funny, Scott, that you brought up recasting Guy Pierce's character Leonard as Keanu. Not that they ever considered him, but they did consider a couple other people to play Leonard, including Aaron Eckhart, um, Thomas Jane, Brad Pitt. And I guess Brad Pitt actually did express some interest in, in wanting to play it, but he was at the time busy with, I'm assuming Fight Club, because that came out, I think, the year before. Uh, but they even were interested in having Charlie Sheen play this character. That would have been a good call. Mm. Oh, man. I uh, I disagree. That would have added to the confusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but I feel like he plays a crazy person so well that maybe it would have worked. I, I don't mm. think that he's acting. I think think what I liked about the movie was I was noticing things at the beginning and I was like, that's weird. Like, um, for like his baggy clothes. Mm. And I was like, yeah, who was the, uh, the director that decided or whatever they're called. The, uh, the costume director decided to 
make him wear something three sizes too big in this movie. <laughs> and then, like, to find out, like, oh, there was a reason for it down the road. Like, it was kind of fun, like, just discovering this. It was. But they the even day. had little there things so where, like, they're talking about the car, and he's like, you drive this? What is it, the Porsche? He's like, you drive a Porsche? Like and he's Jaguar. Like, yeah, Jaguar, that's what it was. He's like, you drive that? And then, like, he was just, like... I guess didn't remember, but tried to play it off. But I was like, why are they acting like he shouldn't be driving this car? He was a rich right. analyst dude, right. right? But Yeah, I I mean, this is my third time watching this movie. Um, it's been a while, I will say. But even as my third time, there was so much that I had forgotten. And even like this third this time around, it didn't make sense to me until the very end. And that's why I really love this movie is that like it doesn't really matter how many times you see it unless you just watched it like last week obviously you're going to remember everything but there are so many details that they kind of just they drop in and kind of leave you uh, leave there for you to kind of try to figure out and it all really comes together at the very end I, I remember thinking the same thing like why are they pointing to the fact that he's driving this car or that he's wearing this suit you know, and then mm. it all kind of culminates at the end. And I think I think the movie was very uh, disorienting, and like, and I think on purpose, is, and yeah. like, just to kind of get us into this, like, into this feeling of not knowing what's going on. Just like um, Leonard, I forgot his name already. Yeah, uh, Leonard, Leonard has, and like the whole time I was like, it got frustrating because I was feeling disoriented, and I was like, I just, I'm, I, I'm sick of getting this 15 minutes, t- 10 minutes at a time. But I guess that's probably exactly it's, what he feels and what we were supposed to be feeling. Yeah. It's what I love so much about the Nolan brothers is they never fail to wow me with their creativity and um, Mm -hmm. how they come up with these really unconventional ways to shoot a movie or these unconventional, really original ideas for movies. Um, I'm getting really excited. I don't know about you guys, but the tenant trailer just dropped I mean, by the time mm-hmm. this episode comes out, it'll probably be a couple of weeks. But even then, I'm I'm watching this. I'm like, I I really have no idea how they're going to pull this off. I have no idea how they're going to explain this weird, crazy concept. And I love that Chris Nolan can um, what feels like shoot these highbrow blockbusters. Like yeah. I feel like Chris Nolan is the director that can bridge the casual uh, movie watcher with the pretentious film buff you know and they can both kind of come together and love these movies that he makes and i think that's really impressive yeah so uh this i i was just looking on imdb at some things mostly because i wanted to see if uh gajani is that how you say gajani gajani uh i wanted to see if it was literally based on on uh memento and it was like uh gajani actually uh has credits for Christopher and Jonathan Nolan mm. in it, uh, that it's based on their screenplay and then story, uh, which is kind of funny. But uh, as I was looking at IMDb, it looks like Memento is going to get uh, a remake. Huh. Ooh. Who are they recasting? <laughs> I don't know. It's just announced right now uh, on IMDb. It uh, so seems pretty quick to remake a movie like this. Like, I feel like the, I wasn't watching it and being like, this feels dated. Like we should make this again, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm not loving that. We'll see. I mean, it, it's not in production. Uh, so, I mean, it might not be happening, but, uh, it, it's, it's officially announced that, mm. uh, that they're working on doing it. It's really so. interesting. 
we'll see if this movie, when it comes out, I am going to go see Gudgeony, and we're going to see if this story really deserves a three-peat. You know? I, uh, I have a hookup for you. <laughs> I, can, I can get that movie to you. <laughs> well, uh... Zach, I would love to see you make some attempt yeah. at a play-by-play here. I, I'm <laughs> nervous. Like, I was dreading I this. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> like, how are we going to do the chronological? Or I don't know how. You... It was, it was, when I was watching this thinking like, oh, gosh, I dug myself into a hole. Like, how the I was thinking I that, too, for you. I was like, how's that going to do this? And I almost feel like part of me, just in case there's anyone who's listening to this who has not seen this movie, like, just stop right now. You really need to go into this movie uh, completely naive to what happens or any aspect of it. But if you are still listening, we're going to get into it a little bit. Well, I mean, it kind of starts with the climax, right? Yeah. Well, but sort we of. Don't understand well, the not the climax, of but the it end. where you watch it. <laughs> you don't really realize what it is that you're seeing. Um, right. Basically, oh gosh, this is going to be tough. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to kick <laughs> us off, and then you can try and pick it up from there. Sure. Uh, so so we start off uh, with seeing Guy Pierce uh, in this warehouse uh, with Joe Pantoliano, uh, or not a warehouse, but just like an abandoned an abandoned uh, building of some kind, uh, and he shoots him, and he shoots Joe Pantoliano in the face, and then takes a picture of it. And uh, it's it's kind of fun. I love uh, the opening credits are over uh, the the photo uh, being undeveloped, undeveloped yeah. rather yeah. than developed. And so it kind of like lets you know right away that we're going to be playing with time here. Yeah, uh, um, which I thought was really brilliant. Yeah, when I started this, I thought I clicked on the new bad boys, and so I thought it was a real bummer that the chief was dying right away. <laughs> is he in bad boys yeah yeah he's the, the captain gotcha. yeah he, okay. whatever. he's the captain captain not the chief yeah he's uh yeah he's in all three uh bad boys films zach joe pentelion oh, okay is. gotcha uh, which is you know i i think he that's my that's my joe pentelion is from bad boys is is the captain that's where i probably enjoy his character the most yeah he yeah. didn't I love cypher but Cypher's probably like my go-to. I'm like a, you're gonna be like, yeah, I'm a huge Cypher fan. He He's my favorite character. He's the uh, hero, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he is the yeah. hero. He is to the machines. How is he? <laughs> <laughs> Once again, it all depends on your perspective. That's true. Uh, and so uh, we then have uh, we're introduced to this idea again really early on in the film that there is two different thing two different times happening uh, so we have one that's in color and we're experiencing that sort of in reverse and then we have one in black and white and that's happening from early on in the movie progressing forward uh, and we figured that out because in the black and white uh, he's working on shaving his leg for something and as we experience the movie backwards in color, uh, we see that he has a tattoo there that have additional facts mm-hmm. about the case. Uh, and so what's really, I guess this doesn't make sense to go how we experience the movie. It's going to be way too confusing for people. So I think uh, that would be I'm the just perfect gonna... podcast about this movie, though. Just leave the <laughs> listeners not it, knowing what happened. It would. Uh, but... This is a story about a man named Leonard. Yes. 
So uh, far, so good. I'm, I'm on track. Who is uh, trying to find the man who killed and raped his wife. Yep. Okay, I, I can get uh, on board with, uh, like, I understood that much of the movie. <laughs> and he has a condition. And he has a condition, which, Zach, can you tell us you, a little bit about the condition? You've already lost me. I'm... <laughs> I am, it's Wait, his name was Leonard the whole time? <laughs> so, basically, uh, Leonard gets this... Or, or Lenny to some. Yes. Lenny. I love That's how we see that multiple him. times. He hated it. <laughs> so, Leonard has this... Uh, when he's being attacked by these assailants, um, he develops this condition called... Um, Interrograde amnesia, which is actually a true condition, and it's the inability to form new memories after damage to the hippocampus. And apparently this was uh, induced by doctors in the 1950s who would treat epilepsy patients by removing part of their temporal lobe, and that's how they um, discovered this form of amnesia. What was going on so in the 50s? So doctors would intentionally do this to, to people? Intentionally by accident. Oh, According okay. to IMDb trivia of Memento, yes. I think that that's the source of truth. Wait, what was it treating? Uh, epilepsy. 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 Got it. I would rather have seizures. <laughs> <laughs> then, I would rather have that because then you wouldn't remember that you have epilepsy. But then who's going <laughs> to make a movie about you if you just have seizures and you don't have anterograde amnesia? But the thing is, is that the last thing you remember is what happens before the uh, the damage. So you would constantly wake up remembering that you have epilepsy it'd be the last thing you'd remember <laughs> like you think you still and have you it couldn't i would move want on from my that. first epileptic shock <laughs> to cause me to fall over and hit my head and cause this to happen in such a way that i don't remember. i think that uh the medical term for this is like a, a forget me now loop if you guys have seen arrested development <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, essentially, this whole movie is just one big forget-me-now loop. Exactly. <laughs> it's a time heist. Yeah. It's a little bit of a time heist. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Jonathan Nolan, he gets uh, credited as a writer in Arrest, Arrested Development, doesn't he? Oh. For coming up with the forget-me-now loop. That would make sense. So, yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, you, you go. This yeah, I was movie. just going to say, so he develops this. Um, so uh, he... Like Tyler was alluding to, he is shaving his legs in this hotel room, and he's making room to tattoo these facts because this entire time before the movie has happened, he has been um, tracking down this guy who we learn his name is John G, and that's the information that he has about him, John G. Or Jimmy. Or Jimmy, that's true, yes. Um, and so he's been slowly accumulating more information about this guy, and instead of writing it down on something that can be lost or manipulated, he tattoos the facts onto his body. Um, and he gets this idea, or rather he's inspired to have this system where he's able to remember these facts. And he has a little bit of a, a soliloquy where he's kind of talking about the, the um, nuances of his system. And he's inspired by the system because before all of this happened, he used to work as a... Um, an insurance investigator, right? Something along those yeah. lines. Yeah, a claim officer. Yeah, and he's investigating this guy named Sammy Jenkins, who also had, and so even as I'm explaining it, it is so confusing because we have the timeline where we're watching Sammy Jenkins. <laughs> we have the straightforward uh, linear timeline of Leonard, and then we also have the reverse <laughs> timeline. There's literally, there's like three different timelines happening yeah. all concurrently within this movie. 
but and some of them are lies, plot twists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's the the other thing is that you have no idea what is true in any of the things that are being are being presented to you. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna try to do this as chronologically as I can. <clears throat> he was investigating this guy Sammy Jenkins, who um, developed this uh, the same condition where he's unable to form new memories, and um, he I can't remember why he's investigating him now. He was he part of a, an insurance claim. Yeah, it was an yeah. insurance claim. So yeah, he's investigating this guy, um, and he <clears throat> kind of develops a relationship with Sammy and his wife. And he kind of makes a point to talk about how Sammy's wife, uh, she doesn't really care about the claim. She doesn't care about the money. She just wants to know what is happening with Sammy. And she wants to know how legitimate this condition is. And is it? And, and what Leonard is also investigating is, is this uh, a physiological condition or is it purely a psychological condition? Um, because if it's physiological, insurance will cover it. If it's psychological, insurance won't cover it. Yeah. And so they're kind of putting him through these different tests where they'll have Sammy pick up these different objects and some are electrified. And he does it time and time again and he always picks up the electrified uh, um, objects. And so it kind of uh, proves that he's not forming any like subconscious intuition yeah. not to pick up these conditions. I thought that the, uh, the test was actually, that was showing the opposite, that even though people have it, they develop an instinct that they follow. And so they wouldn't pick up the shocked objects, even though they didn't remember why they wouldn't pick it up. But because he was... That was the case for if it was physiological, not if it was psychological. Okay. Yeah, and so Sammy fails the test. Okay. They're trying to see if that would happen with him, and he never is able to. Um, <clears throat> but it doesn't fully convince his wife, because his wife later tells Leonard, like, I look into his eyes, and I see the old Sammy is in there. Um, by the way, if you guys don't know, if you haven't seen this movie, the actor who plays him, what's his name? He's in, like, everything. <laughs> He's in Silicon Valley. He plays, Jack Barker. Uh, yeah, the new CEO. Yeah. I, I was just watching uh, all of our film buffs out there can uh, really be upset at me because just last night I watched uh, Wild Hogs with John Travolta. Oh, and, oh, and, oh, no. uh, Is he in that too? Uh, he's in that too. He's in Glee. He's in an episode of Community. He's in, every, he's in Freaky Friday. His name's Steven... Tobolowski or something like that. <laughs> Which apparently he also, the actor, has uh, experienced some form of amnesia in the past as well in real life. And so he felt like that kind of helped him play the character. But anyways, Sammy's wife feels like the old Sammy is still in there. Um, and so Sammy, uh, before he developed this condition, he would always help his wife with her insulin shots because she has diabetes. And because he formed that skill before he developed this amnesia, he's still able to remember how to do it. And so he still helps her with that, <clears throat> uh, with her insulin shots. And so Real she quick, I, I want to interrupt you just to say that uh, Stephen Tobolowski has 272 acting credits. Wow. Which is a lot. I like him. He's the kind of guy, whenever he's I see voice him... voice acting, too. He he's literally been in everything. <laughs> Whenever I see him, I'm so happy to see him. Oh yeah, same. He's, he's really great. He's a good actor. So Sammy, uh, Sammy's wife, kind of develops her own test um, to see if he can kind of finally break this this uh, pattern, or if the, he would be able to develop kind of that 
instinct to where he would not do something um, kind of the way that Jake was describing it earlier in that she has him give her her insulin shot multiple times. And so um, he gave it to her. Multiple times within like 20 minutes. Exactly. He gave it to her and then he'd go sit down and turn on the TV. And then right away she would say, Sammy, it's time for my insulin shot. He'd get up and give it to her right away. And so he gives her like three insulin shots Within exactly the span of about 20 minutes and she ends up dying and he gets put into a mental institution because Leonard was following this case. um, He then no, he realizes the importance of having to develop his own system because he kind of saw Sammy go through that and and not come up with a system that protected him, which is uh, why he, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I thought you were wrapping up, but uh, there was something minor in that scene or in that like Sammy storyline that kind of put mm-hmm. things in a weird perspective for me when he was first interviewing him. And then his wife says, oh, he loves commercials. Like that's something that he can like actually wrap around and like consume the yeah. whole thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's all he can really do. Like he can't even sit down and watch a TV show because he won't remember how he got into the middle of the scene. Like it just put into a weird there's, perspective. There's a moment that it kind of broke my heart when I was watching this movie and it's, I don't want to say it's like my favorite part of the movie, but it made the biggest like emotional impact on me is um, because I kind of talked about a little bit earlier how Sammy's wife she felt like she could see the old Sammy in him, like that there was like this bit of like remembrance in his eyes and even Leonard talks about how there's a moment where he meets Sammy and he's met Sammy before, but Sammy looks at him like he recognizes Leonard and he says like there was almost a bit of a recognition in his eyes and then Leonard later says, that's because when you have this condition, this amnesia, you, you're you kind of forced to, uh, you, you don't know if you've met this person or not. And so anytime you see a new face, you have to tell yourself, have I met this person or not? There's a chance I have. And so you kind of approach everyone with this tentative feeling of like, have we met before? Like, do I recognize you? And it really broke my heart that it, I feel like it really kind of like, uh, realized that condition for me in that moment. But anyways, it's, go ahead. And, and would, oh, go ahead, Scott. Would So we, somehow they remember, though, that they have this condition. That's interesting. Yeah. Right? So, like, you remember up to the... I, I understand, like, remembering up to the point where you get knocked in the head, but how would you remember, like, being diagnosed or any of that stuff? I don't know. Tattoos, I guess. It's a good... Like, I feel like you would just constantly be like, not knowing that you were in that condition. That's a good point because uh, Leonard never has to remind himself that he has the condition. He always knows. Well, he kind of like... I'm not really sure. He, he, it's kind of like he's conditioned himself because you know, this happens a bunch of times. Like, wake up, anonymous room, some hotel room. Where am I? And like he kind of has this like, I don't know where I am, but I feel like I. that's normal that I don't know where I am. That's kind of his conditioning and like his system that he's given himself. Where, like, he opens well, up, he expects to find a Bible, and then one time he doesn't. He's like, oh, it's a gun. What the heck is happening, you know? Yeah. I think that's what it is, too. I think it is that conditioning uh, where he's he's conditioned in himself that he has this, this problem. Um, and that actually plays a big part toward the end of the movie. Um, so uh, w- he's in this town, uh, staying in this hotel, uh, and he's investigating. He's trying to find the person that murdered his wife and that it stole his his ability to make memories from him. 
and uh, we are introduced to a few different characters, and through the course of the movie, we're really not sure who to trust. Yeah, we're not who's sure bad, if, who's bad. if we should trust Teddy. Uh, we don't know if we should trust, uh, I don't remember her name, but Carrie Ann Moss's character. Natalie. Natalie. Uh, and it's really between those two. that we, mm-hmm. we These are kind of the main people that are seeming to help Leonard, mm-hmm. Uh, but they also at different points seem like they have their own agenda. Yeah, it was funny. Like I was watching Uh, this movie with my girlfriend and she had already seen it, uh, the the US version. And then I kept being like, wait, we don't trust him? And then I switched, we don't trust her? And like I switched back and forth four (laughs) times, you know? And it's really interesting (laughs) because um, so Leonard has developed his own system for how he's able to kind of keep things in line. And I remember when I first watched this, like, this is really cool. He has a system, like, this is how he keeps. But we very, uh, very quickly learned that, like, the people that he kind of lends his trust to figure this out as well and kind of learn how to manipulate that and how to use his own system against himself. And so at first we meet Teddy and we think, like, oh, he's maybe he's a good guy. And then we see... Uh, one of the one of the ways that Leonard keeps things in in track for him is he takes Polaroid pictures of people and then he'll write little notes and he pulls out this picture of Teddy and it says, "Don't trust his lies." Yeah, don't believe his <clears throat> lies. That was another thing where he like in the early in the movie he's like, "Your own handwriting becomes really important because yeah. like I need to know that I wrote this and somebody else didn't tell me this." And Tyler started by saying that we the very first scene we see is him killing Teddy. And so on his Polaroid as well, he has written under uh, Don't Believe His Lies is he is the one, kill him. And so for a while, we're kind of led to believe that this is John G. Since we're seeing this movie, well, we're seeing one timeline of it in reverse. But then as it goes, we realize that's not necessarily true. Yeah, and so what has ended up happening, I don't want to belabor this too much. I mean, yeah, this it's, is tough. it's just going to be confusing. <laughs> uh, so what ends up happening is uh, really uh, Natalie, uh, played by Carrie Ann Moss, kind of bamboozles him into, uh, into killing uh, Teddy after Teddy had bamboozled uh, Leonard into killing Natalie's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. does something. It turns out. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say she did something I ahead. really I thought was like I was watching it and this was I was like oh gosh they're both terrible aren't they? When I saw her just like taking all the pens, I was like why is she taking all of his pens away? And I was like okay, this is kind of smart of her because she knows if he can't write it down she's not gonna get it. So obviously she's not to be trusted. But that was yeah I liked I liked it a little bit. By the way, the the whole movie was shot in twenty five days. Oh, um, and Carrie Ann Moss kind of like the point dynamite. Yeah, and Carrie Ann Moss shot all of her scene in eight days. That's in in well, she's really yeah, in two they, places, right? Yeah, yeah, she was only in a few scenes. Um, it feels like yeah, she's, she's only ever in her apartment or in the bar. Yeah, in the diner at the oh, well, the I diner. guess at yeah. the beginning. Um, <laughs> but it does feel like she's in the movie so much more than she is, I guess, than her characters in the story. Because we see these scenes overlap one another. You know what I'm just realizing we should have done? Huh. Done the podcast in reverse order? We should have done the podcast in oh. reverse order. You could edit it and cut it. That sounds like a lot of work. You could edit it and cut it. I I, I think I'm going to. I'm going to edit this <laughs> podcast in reverse Is order. Is this going to... But put we have to include this too. We've seen that segment. This realization. Yeah. That's a good idea. 
I'm sure people. We need love to it. figure out uh, a smaller, <laughs> like twenty second, like interval clips where that's playing in real order. Yeah, <laughs> in between the clips of us going in reverse order. Oh, people man. are willing to put up with us like they are Christopher Nolan. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've gotten to this point, you understand now why this podcast. But what point is this? You know, is this at the beginning? Is this? At we the don't, end? Even I don't even know now that we're recording it. We're just as lost as you. Um, so we end up really finding out that, uh, that Teddy, uh, is the cop who found Leonard and that he has been like driving to multiple towns with him to kill multiple John G's. Uh, and it's really just kind of for money. Like he, they kind of roll into a new town, find a different guy named John G who's a drug dealer Leonard kills him, thinks he gets the satisfaction out of it, and Teddy takes the money. Mm-hmm. And so he uh, engineers a situation after killing Natalie's boyfriend where he's going to finally kill Teddy. And so he writes down Teddy's license plate as a fact and has it tattooed on himself that sets him down the path of, of killing What's been his friend for probably years. Mm-hmm. Kind of his friend. And He's using him. That's one of the bit, things yeah. about this movie that I really liked that was uh, similar to uh, Inception. It's just this, like, it, it sort of felt like the, the basis of the movie Inception is that uh, how simple a small idea can completely change your perspective and trajectory. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was just getting the license plate tattooed on him that that's really kind of the, the pivotal point of the movie. You know what? I just realized something that I don't Mm. completely understand is that at the end of the movie, which is the beginning of the story, you mentioned that Teddy has kind of coerced Leonard into killing this guy who was a drug dealer that he was already investigating. But then Leonard switches his clothes and puts on it all his clothes and then steals Jimmy's car and drives into town, driving Jimmy's car and wearing his clothes. And he ends up at Natalie's bar. And Natalie mm-hmm. like recognizes like that this is Jimmy's car and these are Jimmy's clothes. But she doesn't. Uh, am I missing something? She doesn't really like make a. It's almost like she doesn't care that like this guy's wearing her clothes and then this guy's going missing. Well, I think she knows all along. I don't think it's that she doesn't care. I think she's just calloused by being involved. Like, she's a drug dealer, too. Like, she's mm. just kind of like... Uh, so she d- like she doesn't really first, care that Jimmy's out of the picture. I, I think she does well, care. I think that she's just trying to use, the situ- use Leonard against himself we also yeah don't know how much she knows about lenny already because mm-hmm. i mean he's probably been around for a little bit if they were able to they've been tra- tracking this guy down and she probably has some idea of who he is and what he's been doing and what what condition he has and so to see him show up like that it's like yep that happened their meeting yeah. at the bar was the most upsetting scene in this for me because i hated watching him drink that spit beer i was so <laughs> mad at you zach for making me watch that scene just for that one scene. Oh, it was gross. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. All right. Well, what were some of your guys' favorite lines, favorite parts? Real quick, let me, because there's one like kind of crucial part when, unless I missed you say it, uh, did you talk about how 
the Sammy Jenkins is actually Leonard. Oh, no, I didn't. So, yeah, tell that. Uh, in the scene where Teddy is kind of laying out the cards in front of Lenny and kind of telling him, like, look, we got John G. like a year ago, man. Like, we're just going through this over and over again. Uh, he also tells him that Sammy Jenkins is Leonard. Leonard is actually... Uh, it wasn't Sammy Jenkins who um, was in the mental institution and who gave his wife the insulin shots. It was actually Leonard and his wife. And what had actually happened was his wife survived the attack. But Leonard did get the the condition at that point. And so everything that was said about Sammy Jenkins when he'd be watching TV and he couldn't follow it, he'd prefer to watch the commercials. That was Leonard watching TV. And it was Leonard who was helping his wife um, with her insulin shots. And it was Leonard's wife who kind of uh, developed her test to see if he, if he would give her the subsequent insulin shots within 20 minutes and ended up killing his own wife. And so he kind of... Uh, not he didn't project himself into Sammy's story, but he projected Sammy into his own true story because Sammy was so, a real person, yeah, and he and he did have he this was condition. someone that yeah, mm-hmm. and he had sort of conditioned himself uh, into believing that uh, he didn't kill his wife. Wait, how could he remember that story if it was during his condition? Because he had conditioned himself into it. You can't condition yourself into remembering Scott, something. Scott, we understand this know. story enough. Don't get too deep into this. I think that some of the story of Sammy actually happened because he was investigating him. So, like, I don't know. I don't know yeah, what. No, no, no. It like, was. I don't know what, like, that memory of the meeting and he prefers commercials. I don't know if that w- That must have been fabricated, actually, because his wife was there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I think, I think, I could be wrong. I think that, because what what Teddy tells him is that, like, you've just told yourself this so many times that you have convinced yourself it's true. So there is some, like, function that he has where he's able to, I don't know, over repetition, I guess, develop some sort, some semblance of a memory, but it's not really a memory. I love this movie. I'm kind of wishing I hadn't picked it. It's more of a belief than a memory. <laughs> I'm wishing you hadn't either, Zach. <laughs> yeah, this was a hard I'm movie glad I watched do. it, but the talking <laughs> about it was rough. Yeah. Especially All if right. we're going to re-edit this to a place in reverse. <laughs> I don't think we're actually going to re-edit it. I'm going to. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it twice though. We're going to have a bonus episode that, <laughs> that is, does it backwards. That does it backwards. That only us four listen to. If that. No, I'm going to release it as a bonus episode. I know, but I think it'll only be us oh, four that yeah. listen to it. Yeah. Agreed. I probably won't listen to it. <laughs> we should uh, uh we should make a uh an episode where we also include like songs and uh make a <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when and we recast all of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right. Any favorite parts, favorite lines? Yeah, I liked, and uh, Zach brought it up earlier, but my favorite line, favorite part was when he was talking about Sammy and the, like the recognition. And he's like, I thought he recognized me, but now I understand like, you're just supposed to have some sort of recognition in your face. And like that whole, like, do I know you? Do I not? That I think was my favorite line and like put everything into perspective in a weird way. And I don't know, sad, but that was my favorite part. Go ahead, Tyler. I was just going to say, I think my favorite part is the, uh, at, the begin- uh, at the end of the movie slash beginning of this story, 
that he has this, you know, sort of fight with Teddy, uh, and uh, he gets in the truck and and writes down Teddy's license plate, and he he says, you know, something the effect of "You could be John G." Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, I just love that he, like realizes that he has no control and so he decides in that moment to do something that will uh set himself on the path to kill teddy Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's probably my favorite scene as well um there there was something like as he's writing it down you're just like oh dang like he's making this all happen for himself but i think at the same time it's also him like I won't even remember if I actually have killed him. And so I need something to do. And so like, yeah, you can, you can keep me occupied. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It did have that sort of like almost cold indifference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite scene. I feel like every scene feels just as important as the next. Um, So I don't know if I can pick a favorite scene, but one of my... Yeah, it's just like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. (laughs) You know Exactly. uh, I'm not going to hear your opinions on that movie since you gave it a five. Point one. (laughs) That's more insulting than a five. (laughs) (laughs) I think my favorite line, there's a bit where um, he's being chased by this guy named Dodd, and Dodd is someone that Natalie kind of uses uh, Leonard to get rid of. Um, Yeah. But uh, he's he's we just see the scene start with no context, like we see so many of these scenes start. He's just all of a sudden running, like kind of parallel to this other guy, and he says to himself, mm. like, "Okay, I'm running." And he looks over at the guy. He's like, "Oh, I'm chasing this guy," and then he kind of crosses over to get to the guy, and then the guy stops and shoots at him. He goes, "Oh, nope, he's chasing me." <laughs> that was, <laughs> a, pretty it was great a good scene. line and it kind of uh rings true to what jake was saying earlier how like he is kind of like a uh, guy pierce plays this part kind of playfully um which it does add a, a bit of levity to and it's fun to watch yeah yeah uh it, on that similar note i guess i'll throw one more of those out there i loved uh his interaction with the uh the hotel manager uh, when he says, oh no, you're, you're in this room over here now. And he was like, then what, why is my handwriting in here? And he was like, well, my, I told my kid, I told my boss about your condition and he suggested that I rented you another room. <laughs> and he was like, how many, how many hotel rooms do I have in this dump? And he was like, just two for now. <laughs> he was like, Thanks for being honest about ripping me off. He was like, well, you won't remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like there is like some some levity there. All right, uh, recasts. Uh, does anybody have any any big uh, like idea for how you would recast this movie if it's being remade today? Especially knowing that it is being remade today. Ah, oh, that's tough. I, I had I, I had I an idea actually. in my head, and I don't. I still don't like it as much as I would have liked Guy Pierce probably. But be- when we said Memento, I think I got myself confused with The Machinist, which I also haven't seen with Christian Bale. Oh. Um, and then I was like, I feel like Christian Bale could have done a good job in this movie. Maybe not as good, but that's what I was thinking about. Because I was like, oh, is that that I movie think- where he's all gross and skinny? Uh, I'm. Is it not The Machinist? Did I confuse it with a movie that doesn't exist? Okay. Yeah, no, it's The Machinist. I feel like I would recast Teddy with Tim Roth. Ooh. Hmm. I don't know who that is. 
uh, he was in Pulp Fiction. He was in The Hateful Eight as well. I thought he was in the Incredible Roth. Yeah, I thought Tim Roth was Dodd when I first saw him. Dodd kind of looked like Tim Roth. Oh, yeah. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Like, but just like a bigger Tim Roth. But I feel like Tim Roth would play a good Teddy, like that kind of like, he always plays these characters that are like, you're sort of out of the loop, but he's going to like try and, you know, convince you to go along with it sort of a thing. Um, I don't know. I, I think he could just do that really well. So with Dodd, was Dodd her new boyfriend after her other boyfriend died or did she have multiple boyfriends? Or? I don't think she was. A, I don't think he was a boyfriend. I think he was really just a guy that was trying to get money out of her. Got it. Yeah. And. Lenny was just a convenient way for yeah making it happen. Making it happen. Also, have we talked about how uh, dead wives is something that pops up in all of Chris Nolan's movies? Oh, we haven't. <laughs> we haven't. Yeah, it's a it's a motif of his that he really seems to enjoy. Maybe he just has an unhappy marriage. Yeah, Inception, Interstellar, uh, Prestige. I guess this one isn't his fault, but Dark Knight. I mean dead mother yeah <laughs> she's also a wife and girlfriend well, I mean, uh, and dead girlfriend girlfriend dies girlfriend dies yeah dead girlfriend oh yeah uh so all right well uh it's that time now uh for us to uh spin up our servers and uh plug in some facts and figures into our uh vastly sophisticated uh algorithm mm-hmm. uh Let's start with you, Zach. What do you uh, what do you give this movie? Um, I'm gonna give it eight point seven spit beers. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can you can edit that noise out. <laughs> no, that I was it. involuntary. It's gonna be the first thing people hear in the podcast. I hope so. <laughs> I'm gonna give it uh, eight point three baggy pants, Jake. Um. I am going to give it eight drawer guns. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to give this uh, 8.3 uh, insulin shots given to my wife. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, at least you didn't finish I am, that last All one. right. Well, I never thought I would see the day when a movie I picked gets over an eight from Scott. I'm really happy. I don't think it's happened <laughs> for me yet. <laughs> Well, this movie uh, got an 83% on Rotten Potatoes. Uh, just as a reminder, uh, the other guys had given this a 93%, and IMDb gave it an 8.4. So it seems like we're pretty well in line with IMDb. Yeah, that's and, cool. And, uh, and Rotten, uh, the other guys, gave the uh, liked it more than we did, but that's okay. Maybe they just Maybe they thought they understood it, and they really didn't. <laughs> they really didn't. <laughs> uh, that's entirely possible. Zach, I rank that higher than Armageddon. That's that's mm. not saying a lot, Scott. <laughs> but it is for Scott. Less than Jaws. I have 8.5 on Jaws. I'm really, All I'm right, really well, happy right now. Make sure to tune in next week uh, where we're going to be covering uh, Scott's nomination, 500 Days of Summer. Oh, yeah. It's our first uh, our first romance that we've done so is far. Is it really a romance? Yeah. I mean... Social Network kind of is. 
<laughs> just he's in love with Facebook. <laughs> I mean, Braveheart is more of a romance than. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of something. I think that Zuck is definitely in love with Facebook in real life still. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Jake, do you have any final thoughts for us? You know what? 